Welcome back to Probably About Politics. This episode, the largest election in human history. This is a mammoth. We've really, we've, we couldn't miss this one. No, how can you, how can you say that you have a, a show about, about national politics around the world and not talk about when 14% of the globe is voting in their election? Of course, we're talking about India this week. Yeah. Uh, or this episode of course, the Indian election isn't only one thing. So despite this episode only being one episode, uh, this election covers almost a month of voting. <laughs> we will, yeah, we will try and get in to explain that to you. But essentially, we are covering one of about seven instances of voting. Yeah, so as of recording this, it is May 13th. The sixth phase of voting happened yesterday in India, so probably almost two days ago from the time that we're recording this. <laughs> yeah. um, and so up to now, there's about 90% of the vote cast in India. Mm-hmm. But of course, exit polls have been blacked out. People can't know what's happening. Astrologers aren't allowed to predict what's going on. <laughs> Tarot card readers, you can't say what's happening. We are in election mode for an entire month and out of respect for that i think we should choose to also not make a prediction about who will win (laughs) nope no predictions from probably about (laughs) politics uh but oh come on let's okay we're we're gonna have a prediction later on of course um so to to talk about what we are going to be predicting in india it's a bicameral system there are 545 seats uh, up for uh, election, so you need around 270 some to get a majority. Uh, currently, doesn't seem I'm going to predict. It doesn't seem like there's a majority coming through for uh, Modi's alliance, the uh, the NDA. Um, but there, it's like such a close margin. Like all of the yeah. polls that you see, it's like between these coalitions of like a dozen parties coming together, and it's like a razor's razor's edge. And you're going to have to have coalitions of coalitions. It's exciting. But, okay, so that that's what's going on. We're, in, we're into phase seven here, voting mm-hmm. uh, in a few days. Um, Kaylee, do you want to talk about kind of who we're going to be voting for? Well, not we're going to be voting for. Who the Indian people are voting for uh, and maybe a little bit about them? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, as you said, it's it's a typical sort of parliamentary system. So there are... Um, par- there are parties that can create and form alliances. There are a lot of parties. There's like, I think, 300 registered state parties. So we probably won't get into, we'll get into a very small percentage of them. Something like but, local, uh, at the local level, there's like over 2,000 parties. Yeah, yeah. There's it's even, a, yeah. An, it's so a wild is, number. Yeah. So I think there's like seven major national parties and then it just sort of yeah. evolves from there. But um, the two, the the big ones that you're going to talk about, we we'd probably talk about most are uh, current uh, President Modi's uh, party, uh, the BJP, um, a Hin- Hinduist nationalist party, um, and yeah, they came in sort of like in a sweeping victory in 2014. Yeah, and have been in power ever since, and and sort of changed. I mean, just to as context, the second part, the the party that is also running that we'll talk about, the Congress party. Um, has historically been in power for, I think, something like it was like 37 years or something in a row. Yeah. Founded much older than the BGP, founded in like the late um, 19th century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I mean, like with uh, sort of like Mahatma Gandhi is, you know, sort of a, I think the, the founding, uh, one of the founding members of it. And he, it, it was sort of his party. And then a lot of the leaders also share his name. Um, so you can sort of see very closely tied to that move towards democracy. The current leader, Rahul Gandhi, part of the uh, Nehru Gandhi family, which has kind of had historic uh, family political ties, but wildly, like, it was a huge defeat in 2014, five years ago, went down to not having even 10% of the seats of parliament, less than 50, and the lowest in, in, in living memory. Yeah, there was a conversation about whether they could even be considered a national party mm-hmm. anymore, which is just, it was crazy. I think it's, and it's its something that at the time, I think people were like, oh, could it happen? And then when it did, it's like, well, yeah, there was a lot of corruption. There was economic downturn. And then you had Mahdi, who was like this sort of populist uh, and and all-encompassing, like popular figurehead who uh, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, get away from, I think, if you were in India. Uh, came in and, and changed the way I think national you you would say that na- Indian national politics were being conducted. Yeah, I and it might have to do something with my age and when I was getting interested kind of in politics generally. But growing up, and this might have to do a little bit with seemingly India punching a little bit below its weight on an international scale for some reason. But I I could never have named the indian prime minister growing yeah i definitely could not have um despite probably being able to name other leaders in that area and also other Mm -hmm. leaders of smaller countries and india being you know the second largest population on earth um you'd think that you'd generally be able to know the leader of the of the country um but that totally changed since modi's been in power i feel like i hear his name and i feel like People generally know Narendra Modi, and uh, at least an issue that has been brought up in the last in the last half decade of. Yeah, and I think it's like a lot of that has got to be that. Yeah, he shifted the politics in a number of ways in terms of him sort of singling himself out in terms mm-hmm. of being the leader of the party, and then also like uh, as as uh, I think we'll get into in some detail here, but like the move away from the idea that it's about your local politics in, in India much and rather than your national and, and even international. You're more concerned about what's happening locally, whereas I think Modi sort of managed to shift that perspective a little bit, not entirely, but certainly more than it has been in decades. Yeah, and I mean, we can talk about that right now um, in that we have yeah we have seen kind of a shift because when you have such a huge electorate such like a mind-bogglingly large number of people voting over such a large num a large like time frame and with the just the sheer number of um political parties and also kind of the historical um viewpoint of uh the indian electorate on issue-based things rather than as before we started recording we were talking about the ideological um, party divisions in india which we don't really talk about that much Mm -hmm. it is mostly about actually like boots on the ground and faces you know and people that you're actually talking to and i think it's just really hard to get one individual that a billion people even know yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's it's 
it's just a very difficult thing to do. And is there, do you have any kind of insight onto how Modi was able to do this? Or is there, was there like a shift in 2014 that led that led towards this? Or was there kind of a, an unease with the way that things were been going in India that led to this kind of like ability of just an individual and kind of a party to kind of totally rock the boat as it did? Yeah, so, okay, I will admit I'm not an expert on this, but I do think that perhaps when you look at Modi, you're looking at something that we've seen sort of a wave of leadership, like people who are really savvy on, you know, social media, being in, being them, being able to get themselves, their personality, what they represent, essentially like onto your phone, into your uh, homes, and just be ever present. And I think that's not something that, uh, previous to the, the, the last election, I, which would have been, you know, like four or five years before that, I don't think that would have been something that candidates would have been doing. And when you have such a big population and the ability to be on everybody's phone, I think just open the door for a candidate like Mahdi who has a grasp of who he is and like his image to be very successful in a way that um, before it would have made maybe more about how much money do you have, how much like loyalty do you have at the ground level like so so that means that in that situation like a party like the the congress and and the gandhis could stay in power because they just have historical influence we know that it's hard to know anybody as you said if you're a billion if you're a billion people um and then so i think the access changes it but i think you do see it in other leadership races we we've covered and popular ones that we know of yeah and there have been kind of people that have been the face of things previously like the the gandhis and kind of a a dynastic type of uh party leadership but i think you touched on an interesting point you said an interesting thing in uh, that explanation and that is how much money you have and there's some interesting (laughs) ways i think that money specifically come into the indian election not only because of how much you think it would cost to run a campaign to such a large Mm -hmm. population but also the disparity in money between parties i read that somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of all money is coming Mm -hmm. through the bjp just because they have so much money as the current incumbents they can just do so much more um, than other parties but also it does not cost as much as you would think (laughs) (laughs) i think that yeah i mean the so I, I was talking to you earlier about this, but yeah, in Uttar Pradesh, in the la- when they voted a couple weeks ago now, um, they spent, uh, parties were really only allowed to spend 100000 the equivalent of $100,000. Um, and a, there's been a big crackdown actually by the sort of um, electoral commission there on spending um, to the point where um, I read a number of articles that were saying like Indian elections aren't actually as exciting as they used to be in terms of like, there you see they people would graffiti the sides of walls and put up posters everywhere, but that costs money and now the there's been a lot of accounting done for um how every penny is sort of being spent um and then so what happens um what it seems to be pointing to is what's happening is that um a lot of that money is sort of going underground, so parties that do have a lot of money are instead of putting up posters, perhaps spending it on the equivalent of bribes, I suppose, and uh, perhaps illegal sort of uh, election, vote vote purchasing and uh, that sort of thing. 
Um, and it's also getting busted a lot. People are getting busted a lot for that as well, but it is, it's underground. It's much harder to keep track of what's happening and how money's being spent as a result. Yeah. There's also been some, a number of reports of, uh, social media kind of hijacking stories mm. that we're very familiar with, uh, in Canada and the United States, uh, that have kind of been, <laughs> <laughs> the foreign powers meddling in elections mm -hmm. via social media influence has been probably the story of the year, I would say, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> over the last 12 months. <laughs> but yeah, then that that seems to be, be the case as well in this Indian election, but not only from foreign national powers, but also from within uh, linked mm -hmm. both to the Congress and as well the BJP um, with with spreading of, of fake news. Yeah, and I, th I think like it's just it it really does open I think up to me the idea of election spending right like if you think about it I was looking it up before we we got here in Canada I think you get like a candidate gets between something like seventy and one hundred and fifteen thousand for their riding to spend depending yeah. on the size of the riding and that sort of thing so there and there's absolutely no no way that any Canadian riding contains one point seven million people and so the idea so so just like the effect of it like without the without reasonable determinations of how much money somebody can spend in an area then i think that you do it's like you do have to spend money in order to campaign so part of the democratic process does have to be like a uh not you know appropriate funding measures i think um and 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 you don't once you take money off of spending them on posters and you start spending it on sort of like underground operations then who are you campaigning to yeah expected cost of this election is something like 10 billion dollars yeah. just to put the election on right mm -hmm. i think something is kind of interesting in in contrast to a recent episode we did on thailand about mm -hmm. having to get actual like polling boxes and voting boxes to mm -hmm. the populate to, to the populace um is that in India, you have to have a poll within two kilometers walking distance of every single person in the country, mm -hmm. which is totally wild. We definitely yeah. can't do that in Canada, right? No. There's, 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 there's just no way. We have like the entire Northwest Territories is like one riding. Yeah. And it, that it's, it is like, that's one of those things where it's like, I think India is one of those elections that we've covered where by the numbers, it's just boggling. Like, 10 million people are running work working as election officials in this yeah. election in order and i was like reading they're like yeah sometimes we're using every mode of transportation we have to get voters and voting uh, electronic voting machines to the most remote places in india um and like they're like including elephants i think the article said perhaps yeah. to us <laughs> but but it's just the, the the amount of it takes to get this election off and running especially seven instances like to divide it up into seven instances it, it must be amazingly expensive it must be basically difficult to coordinate um you have to try and i think it, a lot of the articles that i was saying was like there's been a major effort to increase voter turnout and it has i, I think they're looking at a record high turnout probably this for this election in 2014 as well yeah, i think um, something through. like 65 percent of potential ballots have been cast so far mm-hmm and I think for reference, like 61% voted in the Canadian national election. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty good for 900 million, 900 million people. 
Um, yeah. In seven, seven elections that each are an order of magnitude larger than a Canadian yeah. federal election. <laughs> yeah. Almost the scale of an, of an, of an American election at every mm-hmm. turn. Yeah. I think maybe a last thing that we could touch on is, is some of the issues that are being debated in, in the Indian election here and how they might um, kind of differ from the normal issues that we might see. I know that uh, you were talking a little bit about previously um, kind of the, the nationalist vibes uh, from the BJP and, and the way and what they're doing on terrorism and kind of this, this what sounds like a typical election platform in 2019 now to us, but it, it's not so in, in India. No, um, yeah, there's been uh, a lot of, I think you're looking at a, a country like I think much of the world that is in a bit of a, a bit of a shift. Another really big number is that 84 million people are going to be first time voters in this election. Mm-hmm. And that notably for the first time in, I think since the nineties, the economy has started to sort of take a down, downward turn. I think there's over 6% unemployment rates um, and you have a young population and you have farmers who also like the this other this is the other big issue is they have a lot of uh, farmers who are not um, being able to produce and sell their crops for livable wages to the point where a number of uh, them have actually killed themselves um, and so there's a lot of Modi's policies have sort of put people in very precarious and debate and like debatable in terms of how effective his policies have been because they put um, vulnerable populations in very precarious situations. But then on the flip side, uh, he recently there was uh, instances of like sort of terrorist attacks and Modi responded very strongly. And uh, yeah, as we see here all the time, you know, if you don't want to have to pay attention to what's happening uh, in your own, in your own backyard, um, uh, directing people's fear outside to protecting the national, like particularly for Modi, national Hindu identity um, is a great way to get votes and to make you not as worried about um, the the poor farmers or your your child not being able to have a job because there's such a high unemployment rate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, it's it, it appears to be that that will be very decisive in a lot of people's votes. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of other big issues that I think we'll see in in the local side of, of elections for a while. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what is this a referendum on? You know, what do they end up making there? The, the balance of the election, I guess. Yeah, there are a number of issues in, obviously there's going to be a number of issues in such a huge, a huge electorate. Also, uh, you know, kind of shifting views of what the country is. Um, India is a hugely uh, quickly um, developing uh, country just in, in terms of things changing there, a changing economy, um, a huge uh, manufacturing and technological powerhouse uh, emerging uh, with, you know, just a huge number of people, massive manpower and and economy, um, and also a, you know a changing viewpoint of what politics are there from mm-hmm. this kind of locally driven type of politics at the at the at the grassroots party level to um, what 
we've seen with Modi kind of this this one man party type politics of do we vote for the individual or are we voting for the party? And there's kind of some division in India over what that even means within mm-hmm. the party and party members yeah. who don't like the party but like Modi or people who don't like Modi but like the party. Um, and also kind of how the parties interact and whether or not that'll change or how people identify in you know a typical left-right kind of economic scale that we use in other parts of the world doesn't necessarily apply. But on the long kind of long-term scope of what the Indian electorate looks at seems to be becoming more, more important going forward. And so kind of trying to encompass all of these different issues for a billion people while also having such a huge seismic change in what this country Mm -hmm. is, it's very interesting to watch. It's a complicated election because there's so much going on. Um, and we could just, it's hard to even pick what to talk about because you could just never talk about all of it, but hopefully this is somewhere to start. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's like, there's so much, like it is, it's huge, it's massive. And it's like things that we see in other countries we've talked about and we see in our own country are also happening here, but on just like, you know, almost double the scale so it's, it's really yeah so while it is it's unique yeah. to india it is also a lot of the movements sort of starting there yeah. are very similar yeah. we have issues with a few electronic voting machines here in canada they have four million <laughs> voting machines to try to deal with so this is an election on a massive scale definitely pay attention to it you still got time uh, mm-hmm. results aren't being released until near the end of May, May 23rd should, everything should be in and counted and finalized. And of course people are going to be recounting certain things. Um, yeah. but with an army of 11 million volunteers or 10 million volunteers, however much it is, it should be, it should be pretty quick. They can get yeah, things no done. time at all. <laughs> and hopefully you've enjoyed this quick episode of probably about politics. Um, if you have any, uh, comments or concerns about anything we've said, uh, tweet them at us at probpolitics and if you yeah. don't want to say it in in uh, in such a public forum and you really got some <laughs> gears to grind with us send us an email <laughs> at probablyapolitics at gmail.com or uh, even just a friendly friendly gear to grind yeah you can always say that thanks very much you can say thanks very much for covering India no one else <laughs> in the world is covering the Indian election <laughs> with that remember to uh, comment on our podcast like it mm-hmm. subscribe to it set notifications all that stuff and if if you want we'll just send you the podcast personally by via sms email yeah facebook message i'll walk it to your door put it on a usb sneaker net (laughs) thanks for listening to probably about politics that is the election in the subcontinent of india